All right, Dan Schaefer, we're officially on, producer Dan, we're on Apple and Spotify, so you can check us out there. Until we get a sponsor for the show, I'm going to say our show is pseudo-sponsored by Hardee's in Robinson, Illinois, where when I was a child, I would ride my bike halfway across town, take my bike through the drive-thru because the hot ham and cheese and the quarter pounders with cheese were so delicious. Yeah. I'm gonna give a shout out to that. I'm gonna give a shout out to my Shano Hardys then too, because hot ham and cheese when I was growing up was probably the go-to, the go-to sure. move. I remember getting my license when I was 16, and instead of you know, I got it early in the morning. I got my license. It's probably 10:30 in the morning. I go pick up my friends, and I didn't go like show off and drive by some girl's house and honk the horn or something like that. We drove straight to Hardy's and ordered in the drive-thru and thought it was so great that we no longer had to ride our bikes to get to Hardy's that we could actually drive the car now. Yeah, it's pretty sad what you would do for crappy fast food. Right? I mean, I'm not going to say crappy. I actually, I really enjoyed the hot ham and cheese at Hardy's. <laughs> to get even worse, um, high school football days, play on Friday night, Saturday morning, you'd have film session. We usually had stretch and run. Always started really early, like 7 in the morning, which means we were done by 10 a.m. Uh, we lived close to the Indiana border, so 10 a.m. in Illinois was 11 a.m. in Indiana, but it only took us about 15 minutes to get across the border. We didn't have a Taco Bell in our town. So on Saturdays after football, we thought, this is awesome. We can leave straight from here and actually be to Taco Bell at 10.30 Illinois time, 11.30 Indiana time. It's like a bonus. We drove a half hour for Taco Bell. <laughs> I mean, who does that? Right. And then we would stop. We would take our Sega with us and stop on the way back at their grandfather's house, 15 minutes in either direction from from Robinson or Vincent's. And because he had a big screen TV and we thought that just looked badass, being able to play Bill Walsh's college football on the big screen TV and eat our Taco Bell. Kids don't know how well they've got it these days, man. Like if we we should do the show live, Dan, and have a call-in feature. What is the dumbest or most outrageous thing that you've done before midnight for crappy fast food? Because you could always say I, I did a run at two in the morning for uh, White Castle, or what's the really crappy one I used to hit in St. Louis that has like every Jack in the Box has like everything on the menu. You order the quarter pounder with cheese at Jack in the Box, you might get. The uh, the Chinese egg rolls, you know, just get, they give you what they want to give. You. Boom! What do you think about that as an intro today, huh? Oh man, I don't I don't know that <laughs> I don't know that I have any like, hey, what kind of crazy stories did you do trying to get fast food in a vehicle crossing borders? Yeah, driving thirty driving thirty minutes to play some seg on a big screen TV. Kind it of, probably uh, says something about my personality that it's uh, I'm very goal-oriented and focused, man. If there's Taco Bell to be had, I'm going to find a way to get it. I mean, I had Taco Bell in my city. I didn't, I mean, I grew up in northern Wisconsin, but I guess we had a little bit of a uh, little bit of culture more, um, luxury than you had. We had like the big, the big thing for us was the big thing for us was when we first got our vehicle was we had a drive through A&W in town. So you'd go to the A&W and they still had, they still had the, the uh, car hop. So, you know, you just put your window down a little bit and they put the tray on top of your window and, you sit there and eat in your car and be like, yeah, sitting in my car eating. Yeah, listening to Snow Informer on the, on the radio really loud. Yeah, like, <laughs> so that would be about it for me. Well, I'm going to segue that into 
you know, this is unscripted, clearly, but uh, I do have a theme that I want to do each show. And today's theme on those late nights, it reminds me that we're going to miss all of the conferences this year. They usually run through December and January, and, you know, we get to see people, we, sometimes we only see once a year, and, and I don't feel like we attend as many of the um, speeches because a lot of times we're busy on the floor with some product or something like that. But we, we definitely run into everybody and we talk the game. And I'm going to miss that this year because that was a time for you and I, uh, outside of speaking, of just getting together for a weekend and, and, and talking the game. So I wanted to talk about some of the – we've done shows all over the place. I mean, I, I think we started with doing the Illinois Clinic. I know I did for like seven years in a row when I first moved to Chicago. But ABCA, we've done the Nationals, we've done the Texas, um, and, and it's a lot of fun. I, I like the speaking engagements. I think it helps you grow as a professional of how to articulate some very complex material at times in a coherent way that everybody can understand and under a time constraint. Like being able to get everything you want out in 45 minutes is really hard to do. You got to narrow your focus area. So just wanted to, to hit on some of the shows, and I was thinking Paul Twangy called me yesterday. Paul Twanging is a legendary college and high school coach, coach at Valparaiso. Um, he's now in Minnetonka in Minnesota and has a really successful program there. But I always was really impressed with Paul, and I got to know him when I was a young assistant in Indiana State. He's the head coach of Valpo, of how much – I think he only had like four scholarships. And they would compete, man. They were – like when you played them, you knew they were going to play hard and you had to get after it. And he also runs that Minnesota show that we did. Over a three-day period, I had three speaking spots. And I think this was 2010. And in those three speaking spots, I remember the first night, I, thought, I felt really good. I said, I have a solid presentation. I'm going to go over the gist of mechanics of what we teach and why the first day. And then the next two days, I'm going to break it down into specific drills. I always like to do specific drills and give – people at these clinics, something they can take home and use. So I'm going into our mechanical philosophy, 45 minutes. I'm talking about how to get into the ground, what sequence, and this is 2010, right? So this is way before a lot of the tech pieces or even what I'm going to talk about now became mainstream. I talked about how sequencing feeds from the lower body and in the kinetic chain and getting it up and out the whip of the bat and how taking the, the slack out of the torso is often done through creating torque through an upper body scap load. And, you know, this is quickly more technical, and I, I broke it down in what I thought was a very simplistic way. So I get down to this 45 minutes, and there was a guy in the back of the room that raises his hand very slowly. And I said, yeah, I got, you know, 15, 30 seconds here if you want a question. And he looks at me and he says, so it's not squish the bug? And I kind of looked at Travis, and I went, oh, shit. I just talked way over everybody's head. They have no idea what I was talking about. And I scrapped my presentation for the next two days, and I just I went back to the drawing board, and I said, okay, we got to go back to the drawing board and redo this whole thing. But that's a, that's a learning process for me. It's not about the information you present is not worth anything if you can't get it to people in a coherent way that they can understand. I clearly failed on that one. Remember that, Travis? Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a funny one because, you know, I'm sitting there running, I'm running your presentation while you're giving it, and I'm like, all right, you know, 
in my mind, you know, obviously I've heard you talk before. We had spoken before. We have talked about, you know, baseball forever at this point. So like your verbiage and the way you say it, like is the way I kind of already see it in my mind. So as you're explaining it, I'm going, okay, this is pretty easy to think about. And in my, my head, it's like, it's, it is, it's kind of like toned down a little bit. We're like, okay, he's, he's trying to make sure that everybody here is going to leave and kind of be on the same page. He's making it a little bit more simple when he does it. And <laughs> When it was that, and I saw you before you answered, because you answered the question, like, almost just kind of like, I can't believe you asked that question, but I'm going to give you an answer on stage. And I'm looking at you going like, what did we just miss here? <laughs> and then we get outside of we get outside of the actual conference, and you're like, so apparently I went completely over. <laughs> so that was a major fail. <laughs> and, and I sat there, and I, I, I it, it, it is it was an eye-opening moment right and then we looked and we're like all right well we had another friend there and i'm gonna go into the morandini story because that's probably oh, one of yeah. my favorite stories all the time there's a couple good stories from this i want you to tell the carl yastrzemski story as well i don't remember the whole carl yastrzemski story well, do your best i don't know if i can even do my best on that one i think you're gonna have to nail that one but i'll do the morandini so we were sitting watching uh mickey morandini's presentation he was doing a presentation on base running and coaching and he was going through different things. And then towards the end, he was talking about um, as a third base coach, um, how are you kind of, you know, telling guys to, to get into home plate? He's, you know, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta wave that guy in, you gotta kind of get him in to, to let him know that he's, he's going to score here and kind of positioning down the line, like kind of move down the line with the runner so that the runners that come around third can see you farther down. So they're not looking sideways while they're trying to go this way. And Mickey as well, like I thought Mickey did a great job. And that was actually the first time I had heard Mickey speak. I had met Mickey before, I had talked to Mickey before, but I'd never heard him, you know, give a give a presentation. And I was like, oh man, you know, that's a pretty good presentation. You know, very good dictation, very good flow to to what he says. I'm like, we did a really good job. And this is the same conference, by the way, if I didn't mention that, the uh, Minnesota conference. And somebody raises his hand, and I'm like, all right. I was like, questions, like, what's this guy got? And the question was, well, well, can I do this? And the guy literally just says, well, can I do this? And he puts up his, his hands like a field goal post. And he goes, can I do this? And Mickey's like, well, you know, what do you mean, can you do that? And he goes, well, like, if I want a runner to score, can I, can I do this? And, like, again, put my hands up like a field goal post. And Mickey goes, well, you know, that's typically the, the sign for stop is when you put your hands in the air like that, you're kind of telling the runner like, whoa, hold. Yeah, I was like, well, you know, I, I like to think, I like to have my kids think like, you know, like, like touchdown, like score. So he's like, can I put my hands up like this to mean like score so that my runners will know to go score? And Mickey, you can see Mickey's on stage. And honestly, I feel like in his mind, he's being set up. Like, he's being punked right now. He's being pranked on the stage. Like, somebody's doing one of these hidden camera shows or something. And he's like, he's like, you know, and I, you could tell him if you want to be like, no, you shouldn't do that. And he's just like, you know, if, you know, if, you ask, if your players understand it, I guess, then, you know, that's okay that you do that, you know. But at some point, they're going to have to come out of that because – you know, nobody else is really using that. Yeah, the universal the, sign for stop is put in your ear. At the pro level. So I always – I can't remember how many times you and I used to sit around and anytime somebody would say something silly, we'd always be like, 
well, can I do this? <laughs> and put our hands up like a slutter break. We're making a field goal post. Like, can I, can, well, can I do this? So I that, had that a was speaking a, spot that year right after Ron Coomer. And again, it was 10 years ago. And as I got hired in this position, and Ron was at spring training this year, I just went up to him and said, hey, Ron, you know, I'm Justin Stone, the, you know, new with the organization. And Ron's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. I remember that, that clinic we did in 2010. And or, I don't know if he knew the year, but you, you spoke right off me. You did a really nice job. I, and I remember who you were. But so it was impressive that he remembered who I was from a crappy – well, I, shouldn't, I, I was a crappy uh, – Nobody officially launched the business December 2011. And that, of course, the speaking spot was January 2012. So we're two or three weeks into to launching a business. And at that point, I think I was the only employee of Elite. I don't think I'd even hired anybody yet. It was just me. So that's an important spot to kind of get your business off of the ground. And I usually, or just, I don't get nervous speaking in front of people. It's, I, I enjoy doing it. It's like, you know, I'm sure part of the rush that somebody gets on stage in a, in a music situation or something like that gets like, I, I really enjoy being up there. And I, I think it shows my passion for, for what I believe in and what I love to do. And, but that, that time was different. I had never been so nervous to speak. It's maybe the only time I really was. And I know Travis, you were looking at me like, what in the hell is wrong with you right now? And I'm like, dude, I'm after Ron Wolferth. This is like following Sinatra at the time of coming on stage. Like this guy has 5,000 people up there. And it wasn't that I was nervous about my content. I was nervous because I just launched this business. And if I screw this up, I just killed my business before it gets off the ground. Because I'm never going to get another speaking gig again. Like this is it. Like you either, you got to perform right now. The lights are on. In terms of being a baseball instructor, this is kind of like the World Series, right? You, you are up in the bottom of the ninth. Runners are on, and you can't take three pitches and K backwards, walk back to the dugout in shame. So I was sitting backstage, and um, I was like, Travis, I'm shitting bricks. I, I can't. I, pacing, le pacing <laughs> leaning up against, like, the wall, like you're, like, <laughs> breathing hard. Like, <laughs> I said, Travis, I don't know if I can do it. And just, Travis, you were laughing. I didn't think you, you took me seriously. Like, what are you talking about? You don't know if you can do this. I said, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, I said, tell me a joke. Make me laugh <laughs> to get my mind off of this. And Travis came back, and he handed me one of my, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, – after dinner drinks. He gave me a Bacardi and diet. He goes, here, take this. And I think I just chugged that thing in one swoop. Now, mind you, I am right behind the screen right now in full uniform. I said, oh, that was good. That's good. He pulls out another one. He grabs two. So I hammered two drinks before I went on stage. And I don't know that it calmed my nerves whatsoever. So I walk out from behind. I am on, I'm on stage now. I got a bat in my hand. I'm just pacing back there because they're going to talk about you know, there's like a, a one or two minute intro that they talk about. I have no intro. I haven't done anything in baseball up to this point other than being like a college assistant for a few years. Uh, and I, I was basically like, man, can you just skip the intro? Because I just need to get into this right now. And then as soon as he finished the intro and there was silence, and I was like, oh, man, am I even going to be able to get out this, this first word? As soon as it stopped, I started writing in the presentation, and then everything was fine. It's like I, I just rolled right into it. I and mean, you're very comfortable what you talk about every day. But I remember looking down 
at Travis about 10 minutes in. And again, this is 2011, 2012, and we were coming in with a lot of information that was probably new for a lot of people, a different way to think about sequencing, hitting, energy production, and basically just efficiency, swing efficiency, right? And I looked down at Travis, who's doing my slides about 10 minutes in, and I, I smile at him like mid-sentence, and I'm like, we're fucking killing this. And I walk off the stage, we go, we had a booth that year, and we had a, like just a mob of people follow us back to our booth in the hundreds. And it got to the point where I had to have people walk shoulder to shoulder with me because I couldn't get out of the room because I was being bombarded with questions and you can't stop and answer every once. Like Travis is like shouldering me out of this room with, uh, with uh, Pat Maher, who was our marketing director for free at the time, walking us out. And uh, we, we finally got back to the booth and we had questions for hours, man. It was that, 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 that was it. That was the moment where it's like, uh, okay, well, we, we've got something here. Remember that trap? Yeah, I mean, I think that the it's the true it's the true sign of anything. Like I always say, like I heard this story one time, and they were talking about, I think it was it was uh, Jennifer Lopez, and it was how every time Jennifer Lopez, right before she takes the stage, still gets like those butterflies, that nerve, and then as soon as as soon as like the, she's on the stage, it's just gone, and it's. It was partly like, you know, the way I always took that. And the same thing, even like when I, when I was playing baseball was this, like, you have these, you have these nerves because you've worked so hard for something and you care about what you're going to do. And you don't exactly know how people are going to perceive it. So you have those nerves, like, man, I've worked my butt off for this. I feel like I've done everything I can. Like, I really want people to understand and see all the time and effort I put in and you don't know how it's going to go yet. So you have those little nerves and then as soon as you get out there, it's just like, I'm home. Like, this is my home. Like, this is where I live. Like, I'm good. And once it starts rolling, you get that smile. Like, you look over and like, bro, I got this. Like, we're, we're set. Like, we're, we're gold. I'm killing it. I can tell people are engaged. I can tell they're, like, writing notes. Like, oh, my gosh. What is he? Wait, what, what's, what, what do you say about this? Like, okay, wait, what, can we? And that's why, like, honestly, like, after every presentation, um, you'd always get some people that would leave the room. So if you haven't been to one of these ABC events, it's a huge auditorium when you're speaking on the main stage with thousands of seats and presenters speak. And then there's a little bit of a break. Then the next presenter goes on after they give the introduction and clear the stage and set it up. And you'll always see people entering and exiting the room sometimes because they're, you know, going to grab some food or maybe they're, you know, they watch the presenter they want to watch and then they're going to leave to go check out some boot stuff or whatever it is. And sometimes people are then just following the presenters out of the room, like you were saying, and not even, not even like as in a boast, like it was a huge majority of that room. I feel like just cleared out with, with us. And it was like, you're walking around and it's almost like you were like a, a rock star. It's like people are just looking for autographs, but it was, the content was new. It was delivered really well. Cause I, I mean, I hadn't heard anything like that at the ABCA, you know, somebody actually getting into like actual like body movement and how, you know, we're transferring energy and sequence and talking about that stuff back then. And so people had questions. They're like, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, what do you got here? Like, I never really thought about it that way. Like, I always thought about it this way. And I've heard presentations about, like, approach and hitting and, like, you know, keep your eye on the ball and, and you know, simple things like that. But, you know, explaining it the way you did, it was like, boom, and people, 
people rocked out of the room. And I'm going to lead in from that to my first presentation because um, it was very similar. I remember my first presentation was um, in Indiana at the high school convention in, in, in Indiana. And going into it, I overprepared only because, again, it was my first speech. Um, I'm not by any means shy of talking in public. Um, I consider myself a pretty good speaker as well. And it, but it's my first one. And it's like, same thing. It was like, all right, this is now my opportunity to like continue to be able to do something like this later on. Like I have to do this right. I have to do it well. I have to make sure that I'm speaking slow enough that I'm not going fast because sometimes I go fast when I get excited that I want to get all the content and information in. And I prepared and over-prepared and over-prepared and practiced my speech. I would sit in my house and pace because I was worried about being able to remember everything I wanted to get in. Right? Yeah. And I got there and I feel like, man, like my PowerPoint was on, on, it was great. It was laid out the way I wanted to. Everything was, everything was what I wanted to. And we'll get to the PowerPoint story later, Dan. I know you want to get into that one. Um, but I got up there and it was like, at first, the beginning and the middle of it, I feel like I was not doing what I wanted to do. Cause I feel like I was thinking, thinking too much about what I was supposed to get in the speech rather than just talking to the people the way that I do in normal life. So honestly, like my first, I feel like my first speech was okay. And I left it thinking the same thing. I was like, man, like it didn't go exactly where I wanted to go. I didn't do bad by any means. And like people were coming up and like, Hey man, great job. Like, I really like how you did this. And I'm like in my mind, yeah, going, nobody's ever going to tell you you suck. You know, well, right. everybody no, always tells you great job after that. Like, and I'm like, I appreciate it. Thank you. And then the next day, um, the next day I had to go do Illinois and do a throwing presentation in Illinois, the same presentation. I remember going into it. I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to go off my presentation. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to use the PowerPoint. Like, I'm just going to go up here and I'm just going to talk. Cause I know what I want to say. And I don't need, I, I want to just talk to these people. Like, like we're talking now. Like, I just want to have a conversation with them. I can get my point across. And honestly, like I left the Illinois presentation going like, man, I killed that one. Like, I feel like it just, because I didn't overthink it. And then doing presentations since then, I don't even write. I, I only literally put together a, a, like a PowerPoint and um, something that they can put in their brochure simply because they tell me they need it. Cause I don't even go off of it. I don't even plan what I'm going to say that day. I just say, Hey, you know what I'm going to talk about? You know, I did the, the Indiana one for hitting the other year again, like a couple years back and last year, I guess it was. And I didn't, even, I didn't even necessarily go into the presentation. I knew exactly what I wanted to talk about. I talked about it basically every day and thought about it every day because that's what I do for, for a living at this point. So I just kind of walked in and was like winged it. And I was like, same thing, man. Like I left and like, I would say, you know, quarter of the room left to come talk, you know, to, to talk about some stuff that, you know, I brought up even for like short spurts and didn't even get a chance to elaborate on. Like I talked about deceleration and, the, you know, deceleration becomes important and blah, blah. And people are like, Hey man, what do you got on deceleration? Like what, so exactly what does this mean? And how do you, how does that happen? And then like, you know, what do you do to train that? And like, people are like, and I'm like, man, I didn't even really talk about it, but you know, somebody heard something that 
you know, might've been a buzzword or might've been whatever. And just like, they rallied around like, Hey, how do we learn that? So, you know, I think, you know, from what you said, it was the same thing for me. It was like the nerves of like, okay, I can't mess this up to getting on stage. And first time again, I didn't do good. But the second one, I was like, bang, nailed it. You know, it's the flow of speaking about like truly getting up there and and almost making it a conversation. Right. I remember my first one being up all night to rehearsing in my mind and that those just never go as well as just speaking from your your conscious your what's on your mind yeah, you're following somewhat of an outline but it's really just speaking who you are and from the heart i want to talk about a few of the fails like again we've done probably a hundred of these so i'm going to go into several fails and it's going to make me probably put me in a really negative light because i'm going to be like man does this guy screw this up every time he, he leaves his house but I think, I think the stories people will find funny. So this isn't my first speaking gig. It was the year before my first speaking gig for the Illinois. And this used to be at the Bull Sox Academy every year. And oftentimes the White Sox big league team would always uh, bring over a speaker or two. So Greg Walker, who I was getting to know, um, and I mentioned him in the last show, was always great to me when he didn't have to be. I was a nobody. But he knew I was very passionate about hitting. I had intelligent questions. And we were able to like have real hitting conversations and he didn't look down upon me to do it when he very easily could have as a 28 year old nobody. So he's going to speak that day on hitting drills, but you know, he didn't really have anybody to demonstrate the hitting drill. So he goes, Hey, Justin, can you get on stage with me and do these drills? Well, I'm like, I'm in jeans and a polo or something right and I said yeah I mean I I know your drills very well we've talked about them quite a bit so yeah I didn't have a bat so I had to go out to the showroom to get a bat now mind you in the showrooms what are they trying to do trying to make their product look very presentational so I swear that these bats had lacquer on them but I'm nervous at the same time like oh man I'm on stage with Greg Walker big league coach. I don't want to screw this up. I'm 28. I'm, I can swing the bat pretty well at that point in my life. And my, I, my, I could just, I, he's talking the first 10 minutes and I'm sitting in a chair. I just feel my hands getting clammy. I can just feel the sweat in my hands. Well, the first drill, ironically, Travis, that we're doing is two feet down no rotation. And one that we do quite a bit now for direction. And first he's giving me side toss at an angle and there's no net in front of me. So I'm literally hitting this straight on out into the crowd. I don't know if you were there yet, Shafe, and, and saw this or not, but my first three swings, just pelted line drives. Really good direction, actually, right up the middle. And I hit the same guy with a wiffle ball in about the 15th row three times in a row. And on the third one, I heard him mouth. He goes, what the fuck? <laughs> I guess he thought I was, I was trying to like pick him out or whatever. It was really funny. However, later in the drill sequence i don't even remember what drill we're doing but now i'm facing side on so i'm not hitting the crowd anymore and i think mike moises did bring a net up so i'm hitting into a side net but i had a very big high one-handed finish my hands are still clammy and i release the bat on a swing and it went straight up and the, the rafters and the roof of the bull socks kind of pretty high it's probably 30 to 40 feet and there's an american flag hanging down in the very middle of the building the bat chucked into the crowd off the rafters, hit the American flag and back down into the crowd. So I started by pelting the same guy with these line drives and I finished 
And for like the next, next seven years, I spoke at the Illinois clinic seven years in a row on hitting and it wouldn't fail. Like seven years down the road, there would be somebody that came up to me and say, you remember when you threw that bat up into the rafters? That was the funniest thing I've ever seen on stage. I'm like, yeah, man, I remember. I remember. That's all you, that's all you know me for. Yeah, I'm not, I didn't do a very good job pre- presenting or anything, but, man, I'm really good at throwing bats in the rafters. I threw the bat, yeah. You know, it's funny. I got a, I got a, I got a funny little uh, jump-in story on the, uh, the clinic. So I didn't go to the clinic that year, so I didn't get to see you do it. And the reason I didn't go to the clinic that year is because my buddy that was working there as well, Chris Andell and I, sat up for, I believe it was like 24 hours and cleaned that entire Oh, I remember building. that. Literally 24 we, hours. We took everything in that area, put it in the middle of the building, like vacuumed the entire floor, cleaned out everything. We cleaned up all the extra dirt off the mound because that's when we had a dirt mound in there already. We cleaned up all the, we cleaned every single thing. We, we, we got, and it was like people were walking in for the event. I remember, I because I walked in early and turned on the lights. You guys were asleep on the turf. You were, and if not asleep, just like exhausted, right? We were delirious. And I just remember going like, I'm like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> and and I, I remember like, this is, this is how desperate, this is how desperate I was for money at that point. You know, being a being a pro bowler that I sat and cleaned that entire, which had probably never been cleaned like that ever. And the place had just a ton of extra stuff around the edges of the building of just like yeah. buckets and all this crap. And then that one whole corner where the that machine that used to have the, the name of that machine at this point, but pro batter. Um, yeah, the pro batter, but the pro batter wasn't being used, and it was like a yeah. storage tunnel, and there was crap behind that. And we cleaned everything. We're like, we're gonna make this place look perfect. And it was the worst idea we ever had, but, like, it was a fun night for us, and then it got delirious. And the next day was when you were doing that, but I had to, I had to get home and sleep. I was yeah. like, I'm out. My, one of my favorite ones, and you weren't at this one either, Travis, was the Te- Texas High School Baseball Conference is actually a, a very, very popular one and probably the biggest one in the country outside of the ABCA. Obviously, the state of Texas is really big. It's got a lot of baseball players. So I'm speaking there. In Waco, this is at the height of the Chicago. Um, so, what what was it called? Oh, the, the polar vortex. It was like it was <laughs> minus thirty for what seemed to be six weeks. And we, Corey and I get to Waco, and we we touch down in the afternoon, and it's probably fifty degrees, and and we've been in minus thirty degree weather. So we we's like, man, you have to go almost to the surface of the sun to a, do an 80-degree turnaround over the course of two hours in a flight. Just think about that. 80-degree turnaround. So we had no jackets. It was like just a sweatshirt, free-for-all. We, we just wanted to be outside. So at 5 o'clock, Sebastian Nam, who was one of our sponsors at the time for a bat company, was now working for Bonet. And we run into him, good friend of ours. I don't know if you know this, Travis. He is actually the hype man for the Los Angeles Rams right now. Did you know that? He's, he's the rich Ruffalo of you – No, know, he's like the legitimate hype man. He does the before the game rallies and stuff. And Come very on. fitting for him. Did not so know. we always have a good time with Sebastian. And so we go out for dinner. And we – like in a lot of times at these conferences, you, you spend a lot of the evening talking. Before you know it, it's 2 or 3 a.m. And he's like, we're shutting it down. Um, nothing to do in Waco any, anyway. If you've ever been to Waco, certainly when the students are gone, there is literally nothing to do. 
but we had fun. And I have the 10 o'clock speaking spot the next morning. So eight o'clock, I get up and Corey's uh, getting up as well. And I say, Corey, you know, we should probably just run through these slides one more time. And then, uh, you know, we'll be ready to go. And you'll kind of know when to transition to the next slide based on what I'm going to say and what I'm going to talk about. So I dig into my, my bag and uh, I get my computer out. And um, I, for whatever reason, I purchased the world's smallest thumb drive. I'm going to call this a fingernail, pinky fingernail drive, because this thing is smaller than a penny. And why I put my presentations, all of them, on this thing, Corey will ask me that several times, the world will never know. So I'm digging through this bag, and I'm getting, getting my, my feeling, it's like, this ain't in here. And I start smiling, I look, I look over at Corey, he goes, what? And I just smile at him, and he goes, you don't have a presentation, do you? I said, nope. <laughs> I said, I'm pretty sure I left this on my kitchen counter before I left. So at this point, the baseball gods are looking down on you and saying, hey, asshole, you shouldn't have been out till 2 or 3 in the morning last night before you were speaking at 10 a.m. This is what you get. So Corey looks at me, and we have a, a, a full-time nanny in the house, and he goes, well, you think she can – get on Dropbox, if it's right there on the kitchen counter, and I was like, she's not gonna be able to figure out Dropbox or how to, how to get into our account. Like, I have most of these videos on my computer. Let's just hash out a new presentation right now. So it might be nine o'clock. And generally at nine o'clock before your 10 o'clock speech, they're gonna put you in a staging area. So they call me and our hotel is linked to the convention center. Like, so, you know, it's, you're, you're on next, just making sure you're in the building, everything. Say, like, yeah, yeah, I'm in the building. I'll, I'll be over and, and, and meet you guys at 9.30. So that gives us a little time. So Corey is frantically putting this presentation together, and we used the outlines that they had um, stapled together, and we're like, I'm going back through the outline and try to recreate this presentation. And we didn't have all the videos. We had most of them. I said, well, for the ones that we don't have, I can demonstrate the drills on stage very easily. So 9.30, the phone rings again. I'm still not in the convention center. And they, I said, now I'll be over in a minute. I'm walking over right now. 9.45, I get another call. I'm still not over there. I said, no, I'm, I'm walking over. I'm looking for it. I can't, I can't find you. At 9.50, we still don't have the presentation done. But I said, Corey, I've got to walk over there, finish this up, and, you know, like literally meet me on stage. So I walk in as I, you know, they're like, oh yeah, you're on next. And the previous speaker had already finished. You know, you have a five or 10 minute break between speakers. There was nobody on stage when I walked in there. So they shuttle me up there. I have a bat in my hand. It's like the very worst case scenario. I can just talk about my presentation. I can, I know what the outline is and I can demonstrate the drill. So I wasn't super worried about it, but we did spend a hell of a lot of time putting together a very nice presentation. And I didn't want that work to go to, to nothing. So Corey comes on, they, I'm already mic'd up at this point. And Corey comes, he's not even in the convention center yet. He comes in with about a minute before I go in. He walks this little thumb drive over to the AV people. And I can see the guy, like Corey's looking over his shoulder, like close talking him. And I know what he's doing. He's like making sure this works. Because, you know, sometimes we go to these things, there's formatting issues. Um, he, he looks over his shoulder and I look over to the corner, huge convention center. And Corey just gives me a thumbs up. And literally that second I started speaking and nobody would have ever known. Like we killed it. It was a great presentation, demonstrated the drills. It was one of those situations where, again, we shuttled most of the convention center out of there and, and talked about hitting for what seemed to be hours after that on, on one of the side rooms. But definitely my biggest fail ever at a convention that I've done, 
uh, ended up being just fine. But it kind of goes to show you that what you believe in and, and really the content of what you have, even if you screw up and don't bring your presentation to Texas with you, um, the content doesn't leave you. It's, and your presentation skills are, are, are that. Like you go up, I always try to give energy and, and be passionate about what you believe in and, and not bore people. And when you do that, they, you know, they're, they're going to buy into to what you're doing. But I kind of even feel bad telling that story. And luckily it was probably 10 years ago now. So there probably won't be any repercussions, but um, to think <laughs> that we were starting those, those type of, of speeches and Travis, you and I would always do free coaches clinics in the city for the local um, park district. So we'd have like five people show up. Wow. And I was thinking like, it would, you know, it's volunteer time. I'm going to help out the dad coaches. We would go from the ABCA speaking in front of 5,000 people. I'd go to, to Hamlet Park and there'd be five people that show up. I'm like, okay, that's, you get Travis and I in the same room at the same time. We're, we're going to give you the same passion. We're going to give it to you, but um, obviously different situations there. I, actually, I didn't know if I told you this, Travis, but um, I turned down a speaking spot at the MLB winter meetings this year. Um, just for the fact that what they wanted me to speak on, I think, uh, would have given away some information I just didn't want to give away at that point, uh, trying to keep a competitive advantage on some things. But you, you imagine when we first started that, if the, the MLB winter meetings calls you and say, hey, we, we would like you to speak on this topic. And you're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. Or no, they, they're turning them away. That's Yeah, I mean, especially when you go from stories like, hey, I don't know where my thumb drive is to – that and now I go like actually we learned from that we since that time we always have a backup plan it's not another thumb drive we do put every one of our presentations on Dropbox before we get on a flight you know before we leave the office for wherever we're going to go just because of the Waco incident that will never happen again so we learned you know we got smarter I don't know about that um I'm going to show I'm going to show my stupidity for a little bit because I feel like it's just you know it's necessary so my biggest mess up came actually outside the presentation leading to the presentation. Um, I put together what I wanted Corey to do for my, my slideshow presentation and let Corey do his magic and, and make it look all pretty and everything perfect and everything like that. And so I get it back and like, I'm going through it. I'm like, all right, I got to change this. I'm going to add a little bit here, yada, yada, yada. And then um, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I want to, it was just like the next day. Then I was like, all right, I'm going to do just a, I'm going to do a run through it just to make sure that everything plays through the way it should. And I'm like, why can't I play this slideshow? Like, why can't I, why can't I play this slideshow? Like I can see the slides. I can click through them. Why can't I play this slideshow? It's like a call, 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 call. Like, bro, like, why can't I play the slideshow? He goes, oh, well, and he pulls up his computer and he goes, Hey, if you look up in the, upper left-hand column, there should be a thing for this, click on that. I'm like, I don't see that. That's not even on my screen. I'm like, he's like, what are you talking about? I guess like, not. So I took my phone, I turned my phone around, I showed him my screen. He's like, well, that's a weird screen. And he's looking at it. And at first he's just, he's like, he's like, well, there should be this. He's like, you should be able to click on this and it should show you this. And I'm like, bro, I have no idea. Cause obviously like it's, we've all known that like, when it comes to technology, I'm not the first one to be like, Hey bro, like I got this. So, Travis sends emails by carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting here and Corey goes, after, after like five minutes of Corey going like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what you're, I don't know why you don't have these tabs on your screen right now. These are on your screen with the presentation. And then he goes, did you, 
did you actually download the presentation to your computer? I said, no, I didn't, I didn't know I had to download it to my computer. I just thought it was ready here. Like, this is what came up. And I just, isn't this just my presentation? <laughs> he goes, you have to download the presentation to the computer. I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, well, how do I do that? So anyway, so I get it downloaded and then he's like, I'm like, I hit play and the thing starts playing. I'm like, yep. Good thing, good thing I tried to run a trial run now before I got to this presentation, then try to hit play. I'm like, why is it not playing? Yeah, well, we can't tell you how many times that you go to a, a place in your technology, it does, doesn't work. Like it's formatted a different way. And it, the big conferences, oftentimes you test it the night before, like the ABCA, you'll do that. We had to use, uh, we had like, to use our, we had to use it's our, like, it's a 50% hit or miss. Like in, it's with, all the time. Like, okay. I remember, I remember with, uh, with the computer, there was different times where we, we had to use our cords to connect because they didn't have like an HDMI cord. Yeah, right? we, I used to bring it. Yeah, again, I, I learned that was the, the national high school conference in Nashville which we thought was in the Gaylord Opryland and was not. It was across the street at like a Denny's. <laughs> and uh, the highlight of that trip was they have a Dukes of Hazard Museum next, next door to it that, that Travis and I hit. But yeah, we, we went to that one and they didn't have like any of the connector cords. So after that, again, we learned. That, so I take everything AV possible, every connector to a Mac, a, a PC, like, we take in a complete entire like AV set with us just in case people don't have what we need. But live and learn, right? Well, that's the fun part of it. I think, you know, one of those things too, it's for people that know us, especially like there's no, there's no shortage on fun. Like, you know, we, we really enjoy what we do. And I think even like having these stories and the kind of rehashing some of these stories is like half the time what we do spend when we're on the road too. Like, Oh, do you remember that time when we were in, you know, wherever. And do you remember what happened there? All of this story. And it was like, you know, you make so many, so many of your memories off of that, that, you know, it's not even like you're trying to create these stories. They just happen and it's life. And it happens, it happens for, you know, everybody. It just, you know, seems to happen to us a little bit more than it happens to other people, I guess. Or maybe we're just on, maybe we're just on more road trips than other people. So we have more things that can come up. Or, well, not during COVID. Wow. So speaking of that fun, here's a fun thing that we actually started in 2010. I'm just going to let this cat out of the bag right now about every speech that I've given on stage since then. Um, Travis and Corey wanted to, they've heard me speak so many times and oftentimes it's, it's very similar content because they're always, Corey usually runs the AV, Travis will click the, the, the presentation oftentimes. So we, it's kind of a team effort, but they get tired and I understand that they get bored sometimes of hearing me say the same stuff. So they came up with an idea like, Stoney, I'm tired of listening to this. Um, you're, you're just paying for our food and beverage when we're on the road here. We, we got to do something for entertainment purposes. Throw us a bone here, Stoney. Here's what we want you to do. Each speech that you give, we are going to give you a word that you have to incorporate into your speech. And that word can have nothing to do with baseball. And oftentimes, they, Travis will try to make it as awkward as possible to get it in there. And have I ever failed you, Travis? Not once. <laughs> so at the ABCA two years ago, this was fun. Myself, and I think I was, the, I might have been the director of hitting at that point. I can't remember. If not, I was a consultant for the Cubs. Donnie Ecker, who is the big league hitting coach for the Giants, and Kenny Graham, who's the director of player development for the Tigers. And we all three were doing 
a, a side clinic talk about hitting. And I, I thought we have, Donnie and I have similar backgrounds, but you're still talking about three different ways of what are considered new school guys, but we, we still attack it from very different angles. So it was a really good panel. And uh, just- You had Emerson there too, didn't you? Who's that? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah Dar Darren Everson, yeah. Everson, yeah. So we told them ahead of time, say, hey, we have this little thing that we do that Travis kind of came up with years ago. Travis is going to give you a word that you have to get into this speech. And I think Donnie's kind of looking back like, man, I don't know about this. And you did it. You told what each one was. Well, I, I don't remember everybody else's. I, I remember mine, and I'll get into it in a minute. We put, every, we put Corey and I went over in the corner, and we started coming up with as many creative ones as we could. And we put them in, basically put them in a hat. And we let them actually draw out of the hat. And like, all right, there's some really bad ones in here. And there's some that are like a little bit easier. So it's luck of the draw. You're going to get what you get. And it was Kenny funny. because like, was the first one to talk, and he actually did it. Like, and he yeah. met like deadpan. Deadpan yep. broke it in there, and all three of us were like cracking up, trying not to laugh. We're like, okay, he did it, so I, I've got to mix it in. So Travis made mine vape, and he's talking about like the smoking vape, and he just laughing his butt. I'm like, there's no way you can mix this into your speech. How are you going to get vape into your speech? And so a question came up about how we train different patterns based on the plane of a player's swing. And I said, there are times that I will really teach guys to swing down on the ball. Some old school cues that you wouldn't think what, you know, I'm considered like this new school voice in the baseball and, and people that don't really know me know that there is no old school or new school. It's just like getting into what the player needs. I'll say anything I have to get to get them to do what I need them to do. And so guys that break down on the backside, lose the barrel, dump the barrel, um, which is one of the fads on hitting Twitter these days. So like you, you'll do some old school thoughts of getting down on top of the ball or working at the top of the zone is exclusively the four seamer trying to hit flat line drives to the back of the cage. So I said, if you've got a guy that's smoking vape at 96 at the top of the zone, you're going to have a hard time doing that by dumping the barrel behind you. You've got to get on top of that. And Travis was just in the corner, just dying laughing. And again, I was deadpan. And I thought it was very appropriate. Like, you've got vape at the top of the zone. That's hard to hit when you're dumping the barrel. It's, it's funny because, like, the, the way that you put it in, it's almost like, I don't know. I always sit there on the side. And I'm like, man, I wonder if he's already trying to think about how he's going to put it in. Or if he's just talking and just going to randomly throw it in there. Or is he setting it up for, like, this part of his speech? I'm always in my mind, like, I wonder how he's trying to put this in there. And so I'm, I'm only, like, I don't even think I listen to you talk at that point. I'm just listening for the word. Like, I'm just like, no, I don't even care what he's saying right now. I don't care. And even with the other guys, like, I'm sitting there listening to, you know, <laughs> listening to the actor and listening to those guys. I'm like, all right, I'm just listening. I want to hear him say it. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Nothing out of the talk. Listen to Donnie Ecker and Darren Everson. You're just looking for the word. And I'm looking at other people like they have no idea the secret that's about to happen. Like I got this like this like childish look on my face. Like ha ha ha. Like he's gonna say something funny. Wait for it. Wait for it. And then he says it. And then they say it. And I kind of look around like anybody catch that? Anybody catch that? And nobody like because the way you put it in this speech, like nobody just like oh yeah okay that's just normal. And I'm just like that's not normal. <laughs> it's not like one of them might be like you know like whatever it might, sometimes it's like hey it's gonna your word is frankenstein you're like hey you know you got those hitters up there that are stiff and they kind of move like frankenstein and you just throw stuff in there and like people don't like you could if people go back to all the speeches you've done they will be able to go back and relive them and pick out the word that you had to say 
or like sometimes like a two word phrase or whatever it was, but like they would be able to go back and they would just laugh their butts off now, knowing. Yeah, they, that, I wish you, I, I wish we had wrote them down over over that course of time because. At least it entertains you and Corey for the short time because you guys will just be rolling while nobody else, everybody else is just writing notes and, and you know, yeah. concentrating on the speech. But I, I'm glad I could bring that little bit of entertainment to the, the dread of having to click my slides for an hour at a time. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, I think that the theme of what we got going today is you can have fun. You need to have fun in the game of baseball, you need to have fun in your job. I think the culture that we've created in Elite allows for that like we're, we're we work really really hard we work a lot of hours and we're very passionate and serious about it but if you can't have fun playing baseball man or talking about baseball then in, in my opinion you need to get out like it, well, there's it, it's not even just from that standpoint like you know once once you're in you know at every level of baseball but you know even like you know because like the normal person might not have access to like higher level college baseball and what's going on on like a daily basis in the clubhouse or in pro ball, you know, they, they, they see the guys on the field and, you know, you might catch a story here and there that, you know, you hear out there, but you don't get to spend time with those players or be around those players for the majority of normal people. And that is what the clubhouse is though. Like the, the clubhouse is there's the moments of like seriousness because we're trying to get work done, whether it's like prep before the game um, you know, especially for guys that are starting that day. Um, but you also have so many moments of levity where, you know, people are cracking jokes and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're playing backgammon and you're, you know, you're, you're laughing and you're doing, you're playing pranks on guys in the clubhouse, you know, like putting shaving cream in their shoes and stuff. And like, <laughs> just laugh, you know, just knowing that they have a backup pair, you ain't trying to like, you know, you know, do somebody, but like, people don't get to see that, you know, it is still like, it's a, it's a, it's a bunch of, you know, grown men just still being kids, man, like enjoying life, like enjoying what they do, working very hard at it. Cause that's the same, same as it is, you know, as you get into, you know, pro baseball and that kind of locker room, you got guys that work so many hours at being good at baseball that most people just assume that they were just naturally gifted. Like this athlete's just, it's all natural gifts. And like, that's not, that's not the case for most people. Like the amount of hours that guys have to put in behind the scenes to get to the point where they can smile and laugh and joke and have fun with it is really what it is. And that's the same with us. Like, you know, the, we don't have very, in my mind, we don't have very much stress in our job, but there's always pressure. There's pressure to continue to grow and learn and develop, deliver a, deliver a valuable product. And, you know, you put in all those hours behind the scene that nobody sees. Like we talked about in episode one, you know, how many hours do we spend having to just go through stuff that we didn't even know was going to help us, like going through Right Do Pro and like, how do we even know that this is going to be at that point beneficial? You know, you turn around now and go, yeah, obviously it was in that moment. But then when we, we get to have moments where we get to go to conventions. So we're now we're on the road where we get to hang out together, get to have dinners together, get to you know, talk about, you know, silly things as well as serious things. Like that's kind of the, the yin and yang of what we do. So we, we definitely have fun. And I, honestly, I've, I know other groups of people have fun. It'd be hard for me to imagine that you know, there's a group out there that, that gets to do what we get to do that gets to have as much fun as, as we get to have. So and that's why we don't lose any employees. Right. Like we, we've had the same crew for like 10 years. It just keeps getting a little bit bigger. Well, not only that, like you, J Justin, for you guys that don't, Justin does a really good job of bringing in 
people to complement our business. And a lot of times those people that he brings in are almost better than our business. And those people still stay because it is such a great atmosphere. It's such a great family of people that are all working and pulling in the same direction that even though those people could probably go on to something else if they wanted to, they, they still stay, you know, and I, even for me, like I get people asking me all the time, like, why don't you just start your own baseball business? I'm like, I don't want to. Like, I, I love, I love what we have as a family. I don't want to do all the back end crap that I would have to do if I had my own thing, but I could, if I had to, but I don't want to, like, it's, it's more fun to be able to have people to grow with, to have laughs with, to be able to have these experiences with than to do it solo, you know? So it's not worth me wanting to jump and go somewhere else. And like I said, I think it's, I think it's like that for a lot of the employees that we have at elite, that it's just, it's tough to leave because it's more than just a job, you know? And that's, that's what, that's the culture you've made it into and you've allowed us to continue to, you know, feel comfortable being, being a part of, you know? Cause like if it, if it didn't start with you, we're not, we're not going to be the ones that are just always like, we're on the road and ju- you're like raining. It's like, Hey boys, come on, man. We got to dial this in yeah, here. Sometimes that happens too. No, it does not. <laughs> it does not. All right. Maybe not. I appreciate that, Travis. And one last comment we'll have about the conventions here and we'll wrap it up. I think back to my first ABCA was my first year of college coaching in 1998. And, you know, the first speaker is always the previous year's national champion at the collegiate level. And I remember seeing these guys from 98, 99, 2000, 2001, and I'm, I'm a college assistant. And I think, oh, man, there's Skip Bertman or there's uh, – you know, what, whatever ACC, SEC coach you want to throw in there. And I always looked at those guys like, I've seen you on TV. And so once in a while you'll compete against them, you know, even being a mid-major Division One school. But they were like stars, right? And I was always nervous, and I never went up and introduced myself. Or I'd, you know, I'd see them walking, and they'd have a bunch of people around. I'm like, oh, man, there's, there's so-and-so. And I kind of hide, you know. And we're the complete opposite of that now because, one, that was stupid. Um, I'm an outgoing person. I should have just introduced myself. Even if it's just, hey, um, I appreciate your work or whatever. But how many times do we get people coming up to us now at the ABCA and say, hey, Justin, Travis, can I ask you a question? And we'll be walking. And usually when we're walking, you know, if you stop and answer a question, you're stuck. But we'll say, yeah, come with us. Let's have lunch. Right. And I try to open ourselves up that, <laughs> that way. And it's lunch. You, you eat. And- um, but you open yourself up that way of like, yeah, we, we, we might learn something from this conversation from you. I know you're looking from us, but I think it, it's spreading the things that maybe we didn't have when we were first coming up of, you know, we have access to just about everybody now, but I, I think you, you need to give access to others as much as we can. And I always try to make a point of when we're at these conventions, you can't answer every question. But if somebody is like making an effort to really dig into something, like you're going to give them time. And I, I know we've paid for several strangers lunches of just having cool baseball conversations at, uh, at bars or restaurants at the ABCA. That, that's a, that's a piece of it. I miss like meeting people in the baseball community that, you know, you didn't know otherwise. Yeah. That makes it tough. Like to that point, you know, I, I equate that to the same thing as, you know, when I was playing for the uh, Gary Railcats. And the first time that kid, you know, you walked out on the field and the kid was asking for your autograph and you go out there and like, at, 
at first it's like you're super like oh this is the greatest thing ever that somebody actually cares about seeing me as a ball player and they want a piece of me in my autograph and going signing autographs and then you know you sit there and look and next thing you know you've got 40 people but you know that hey i still got ready for this game but like i don't want to let somebody down because like I, I want people to leave with a great experience and i want to show them that i value them as well and that's the same thing you know you know even now like outside of baseball like probably one of the biggest things i miss from playing is actually signing autographs it's you know like the game is great but like that part of like like I remember being a kid and like being able to get a player's autograph was like that's a big deal. They had the human <laughs> human to human connection right there, man. Okay. That's what makes you love. That's what makes you love the game. It's like oh, I want to play, man. Like that was the coolest thing. Do you see that that guy signed my autograph for me? So it's the same thing when people ask us questions. It's like you're gonna try your best to get as much face to face and and that as you can with that because it is. It's still like man, can you believe somebody actually values our opinion right now? Like can you? From where we started, you know, we, yeah, well said. It's, not, it's not like it's not like we didn't think we were gonna hopefully get somewhere great one day, but you just don't know how all that's gonna go and like how how big your actual niche in a sport may end up being. And so, like when people come up, it is it's like we're still getting stuff from them. Like they're they're asking questions that maybe they were in a way that we haven't thought of before. And we go, you know what? Hey, like I'll answer this question a little bit. But then it's like you almost want to take a mental note of like, hey, I should probably look a little bit more into that again. Like, let me take a look at that. That's true. That's how you grow. I, I can't tell you how many times people ask me a question. Like, I, I'm not afraid to say I don't know. You yeah. Know? Like, I'm not going to bullshit and give you a wrong answer. It's like there's some things like, I don't know, but let me get back to you on that. Yeah. Good stuff, Travis. I got to tell a few stories today. I am going to miss being on the road and doing some of these, these clinics. Damn COVID. But uh, we'll be back at you soon. Um, we're going to wrap up today's episode, uh, episode two, find us on Apple podcasts and Spotify. And we're going to give a shout out once again to Hardee's and Robinson. Thank you for your delicious hot ham and cheese. And we'll leave that uh, sponsor spot open for future podcasts. Signing off, Travis.